0: Welcome into the insidecarolina.com day after podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T shirt. The day after podcast, it has become a regular staple here with Inside Carolina. Of course, Jason Staples and Buck Sanders join me. Um, Buck, I'll come to you as I always do first. I think I'm going to entitle this one three and none. Carolina. (laughs) Carolina is the only team in the country that stands three and O right now. uh, Carolina's game in itself was – there's plenty to talk about. Um, But after watching college football yesterday, I mean, this place is on its head, Buck, and Carolina's leading the way. Who would have thought it?
2: Yeah, uh, the Sun Belt, uh, as we were talking about it, just went nuts yesterday. And I I wonder how many people have any different perspective on the uh, Appalachian State game after they uh, went to Texas A&M and uh, took down the Aggies. Uh, North Carolina fans might be feeling a little bit different about that game these days but they only needed to score 17 to beat Texas A&M and they scored 61 and still couldn't beat UNC at home. So, um, it's a crazy, crazy world we're living in. I, I thought yesterday's game, um, did not go much differently than I suspected it would go. Uh, that uh, North Carolina was favored by seven. Um, I thought there was a moment where, uh, couple of moments where drake may looked almost human which was uh a difference for for all of us that have been watching him so far and and just in general um uh, and drake may gives north carolina a chance to win every game it's in i thought the uh, all the phases of the offense eventually came together the running game was slow to begin with Um, and I think we can talk, get more in depth about this later on, but I thought maybe just maybe, um, North Carolina found a defensive leader yesterday that can, um, raise the bar a little bit on that side of the ball.
0: They did. And Jason, let's start there. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the defense. They're much maligned. They deserve a lot of that malaise that they get, um, But I found it very interesting um, to see all the internal chirping uh, going on there in Georgia State down in Atlanta. And it was not surprising to see who pulled them together. Um, Though one of the three that pulled them together was a little bit surprising for me, but it seemed to flip some sort of switch. What did you see differently before and after that occurred? Anything from your trained eye? Or was it just one of those things where guys started to do their job um, consistently in the fourth quarter,
1: I, I thought the overall level of, of of physicality, maybe in terms of the the front, was the biggest thing. Um, I don't know that I would say it it changed. I think they, I think it got a little. I think it got a little more consistent. I, I do think you saw a few a, a few fewer missed assignments, maybe after that. But uh, but I think overall, they just handled their business up front uh, and, and they, they got a few. I mean, Georgia State made some plays and then after they after they actually made some of those really good throws and catches and so on, they also didn't make any of those after that as well. So I, I wouldn't necessarily credit that to a, a major shift in coverage or, or quality in the back end. But I do think that up front, they got after business just a little bit more after that.
0: Yeah, of course, we're talking about Power Eccles, Cedric Gray, and Dez Evans um, getting the defense on the same page there. I think it was after Georgia State went up 28-21 um, on the touchdown and the two-point conversion. But we talk about leadership, and we've talked about leadership a ton um, and how it has to be player-led. Uh, Eccles is that guy. Uh, Dez Evans hadn't been that guy, even though he's been playing his butt off for the past five or six games at least outwardly, your thoughts on how that sort of transition from maybe older guy on the team being a leader to a guy like Power Echols actually stepping in, stepping up, and being vocal. Um, he said, you know, in the postgame presser, I tweeted it out, that folks need to listen to it, but somebody had to do it, and it was a young guy that did it, and it seemingly had some effect. Your thoughts, Buck?
2: You know, just in general, and you know, we haven't really ever discussed this subject that I know about, maybe we have, but um, it just seems to me that uh, leadership uh, comes a lot easier from the linebacker position uh, at, at the college level, specifically the middle linebacker. But uh, the linebacker group generally provides a lot of the uh, leadership. Defensive line, uh, you know, they're, they're shuffling in and out. I saw that North Carolina played 10 different offensive, uh, defensive linemen yesterday that should, uh, quiet some of the angst, uh, among the UNC faithful. Um, uh, so that they can't, it's harder for them to be a leader. Cause they're just not there every play, um, on the back end, uh, you know, the guys back there can be a leader and have in the past on certain teams, but I just think it's somehow easier uh, and the linebackers are directing traffic a lot of times, anyway. So uh, maybe that's got something to do with it. And and I know you know Chaz Surratt was sort of the leader initially with Mac Brown's teams, and and then Jeremiah Gimmel. And and here it, I guess it's just uh, partially that, but we all know and have seen in his limited time at UNC that Power Eccles is an extremely tent, intense person. And, and not one that takes things lightly. Um, and and all these guys uh, are, are not used to losing. Uh, they won at, at the high school level, and they're used to winning, and they're, and they're used to not sucking on defense uh, just in general. So um, I think maybe that had something to do with it. But uh, it, it was interesting to see that the, both linebackers stepped up and – you know, provided that, that leadership along with Des Evans. And that was good to see, you know, for Des to take a role. Um, but, uh, being a younger guy in this particular case, it was, you know, mother was the, uh, inventor of, uh, however that f- phrase goes necessity was the mother invention, I guess is the, the the phrase and, and Eccles just happened to be there. So, um, regardless of how it got to be where it is, is we talked about this last week, you know, uh, coaches can, can coach and, uh, schemers can scheme, uh, X's and O's or X's and O's, but, uh, leadership player led teams, um, are the ones that are typically the most successful in college football. Jason, we
0: see it with – and we mentioned these Sunbelt teams. I mean, they've got guys that are grown men playing and and they're beating, you know, top six teams on their home field and all that. How often do you see it coming from a young guy? From your perspective, you've done – you've been around football for a very long time. Two-part question. One, the young guy thing, and two, coming from the middle linebacker on the defense. It seems like you look back, Mike Singletary, people like that, it's always that guy. Uh, and a lot of it's for the reasons Buck stated, but um, are, it, where are you on it being Power Eccles as the linebacker and also Power Eccles as one of the young guys on
1: this defense? It's pretty common that it's, a, that it's a Mike backer. I mean, that that's those guys. First of all, those guys have to typically be pretty smart because they're usually the guys that are getting the front set and all of that. So your backers, now these days your Will or your Mike, are often interchangeable but those guys usually are are really involved in that they they have they have to know the whole defense uh and they don't come off the field much i mean backers play a lot so that gives them a lot of uh a lot of leeway in, in terms of that and then in terms of personality and all that those guys tend to be guys that are going to go out and hit people quite a bit and so that gives them a little bit of additional cachet. and then uh then if you add a, a more of a guy that's gonna that's willing to 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 speak and to to be the guy to step up and say something. Then that's a, that's what you're gonna get. I mean, a guy like Cedric Gray, as far as I can tell, not really uh you know gonna gonna get loud all that often. He's he's a little quieter, so you know you'll see a different kind of leadership from him. But yeah, that's not that's not that uncommon for for a guy like uh, for for a guy in the position of of Eccles, as far as it being a younger guy. I mean, it's not as common that the younger guy is, is you know, steps in and, and becomes sort of the team leader on different things. But if that guy's a starter and is playing a ton of reps and is actually a good player, then yeah, that can happen. And it does happen. It's not about age as, as so much uh, on these kinds of teams as it is a guy who's actually doing what he's supposed to do. You know, if a guy, and we've all seen guys try to do this, guys try to be leaders before they actually, you know, can play. <laughs> you know, the it's really hard when, if, if you've got a guy that's trying to trying to lead, who isn't actually doing what he's supposed to do, who isn't good enough in some cases. I mean, you get these guys that they desperately want to be a leader. They have the charisma. They have the, the mouth to do all this stuff. And they step up. And guys on the team who are actually good players are like, shut up, man. You know, like you can't play, you can't do my job. So, you know, shut up, just sit down because that guy isn't good enough to talk. So that's really where a lot of stuff happens with the young guys is a lot of times the young guys just haven't earned the respect to be that guy. And then
2: to Jason's point, if I can interrupt for a second, does anybody, uh um, is anybody shock that a Richard freshman is the leader of the offense? <laughs> you know, and is there any doubt who is the leader of the offense? Mm. Um, so you know, we we don't even bother questioning that at all. So so I'm I'm not sure how relevant it is in uh Powers case. Yeah, a, I, I, I agree it,
1: with that. We can that's a good last word there.
2: Yeah, I mean
0: everybody talks about the youth and all that stuff. But, Jason, I like your point. You better be able to play because nobody's going to follow a, a bum. You know, you can talk it all you want. And, and we've seen that. We've seen guys, uh, not with, just with Carolina, but in a ton of sports that are the talkers, but not getting it done. And I think we saw a little bit of, of that yesterday against Georgia State where um, some correction, course correction during the game needed to happen, and Power Echo stepped up and did it. As far as the defensive performance, this is another one of those things, and Jason, I sort of ask you, and I'll start with you on this point, is that Carolina looked pretty good early, lapsed, did not look like they even wanted to be there, and then stepped it back up. I mean, virtually identical to the to the App State game, though you said App helped them in those second and third quarters. What did you see yesterday that allowed Carolina to have some effect on defense and then – um basically be a you know skeleton crew out there when App. excuse me when georgia state got it rolling what was the difference
1: well i think one is chase bryce i mean they app state made made some plays down the stretch with the receivers they've got and the quarterback that they've got that really georgia state just didn't have those players Mm -hmm. uh and you know they they made some plays they had some guys that, that that could that could do some things but you know granger actually his stat line's good uh better than it sh- than it really should be coming out of this game 16 to 24 184 yards three touchdowns no picks two sacks you know that's not the stat line that you'd like him to have coming out of this game but ultimately i think georgia state knew they needed to keep running the football to be able to pull this game out and really the the difference is and i need to pull up the the uh the stats in the in the final quarter here but the difference is once they got into the fourth quarter uh georgia state had 30 rush yards 3.3 3 yards per per rush and you know they they weren't once they once they were off schedule and they weren't able to to uh to throw the football off of play action and some of the things that they were doing uh, that I think is really where the game changed. I mean you look at the through the third quarter, they had two hundred and five rushing yards, and they were averaging four point six per attempt that to me, the difference in the ball game is in the fourth quarter, they cut the average rushing yards per attempt from four point six to three point three and they had some uh they had some other they had some tackles for loss they had some uh some overall. Uh, first down wins that led to more off more bad leverage situations for for Georgia State and Georgia State wasn't able to stay on the field as an offense and, and get some drives I mean that that's the difference in the game Carolina scored seven in the fourth and Georgia State didn't and that's why you know 58 total yards for Georgia State in the fourth quarter still more than you'd like to see but it was better and I think they they finished they closed the door there uh, whereas I think third quarter, you know, you look at, uh, they had actually looking at the third quarter, they, you know, that's where they scored 18 points. They had 205 yards and 4.8 yards of rush in the third quarter. So you talk about that lull, the lull was really coming out of, out of the, uh, out of the half where they gave up 18 points in that 205 yards and that didn't look so good you know average yards per play during over that third quarter stretch is 8.2 and then 3.6 yards per play in the fourth quarter i mean that's a 5 yards per play difference between third and fourth quarter that's where they locked it down and again i think it basically traces to the defensive line and the linebackers actually getting guys on the ground and doing so in, in a physical way to actually to to close that door. They they took care of business there. That that was where it was there. That's where it was. I don't think they did a whole lot different. I just think they started doing a little better.
0: But give me uh your standouts on defense. I think Rucker just I think Jason said it last week. Rucker's just a dude. I mean he's going to be there every game. He continues to be uh but other than Rucker, give me somebody that popped for you on defense that maybe we haven't talked about enough in these first three weeks. I don't
2: think we've talked about Noah Taylor enough. Um, he, he's probably getting more, uh, pressuring the quarterback more than anybody else on the team. Uh, and so, you know, and then the play last week where, you know, if not for him, maybe North Carolina is two and one and not three and zero. Uh, so I think Noah – Taylor has really contributed, uh, to the defense, uh, a good bit. Um, I think, uh, Deandre Boykins, since we got, um, uh, Rucker off the Taylor, Butcher just had a hell of a game yesterday. He was just amazing. But, um, since he's off the table, then I think Boykins has for a, for a Richard freshman, he is playing as well as just about anybody else in the, in the secondary, um, so those people stand out to me, uh, Rawha Dilworth made some plays yesterday. He, he wasn't in, I think he may, may have gotten only 23 snaps, but that's still more needs had up to this point, but he flashed a little bit, um, uh, yesterday as well. So, you know, those are the ones I would single out, uh, said gray Eccles, um, Rucker Taylor. I think the defense tackles, uh, didn't have their best game here. Um, I think their the, the Georgia tech offensive line was, uh, you know, got the better of them for the most of the, most of the contest yesterday. So, um, the, the ones that I named are the ones that I think probably flashed the most yesterday. Jason, a couple of points. I'll start with
0: defensive line. Travis Shaw, 17 snaps. I don't think he got any at app. Um, there's some names missing here. Um Rucker with forty two, Noah Taylor up at sixty-nine. Uh Javari Ritzy, I thought, was in. I saw number five flying around. Who who would you see from Ritzy and Shaw? Um, especially Shaw yesterday, and especially if Miles Murphy's injury. I don't I haven't heard anything. Um it did not look good. But your thoughts on Shaw getting some run there and being effective.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can see he could still afford to you know, get uh, to shed some of the baby fat, some of the, some of the freshman weight. uh, But you also can see the ability to compress, you know, he, he, he's one of those guys that he could be a little high and still wind up being the guy that's pushing the other guy back. I mean, the, the power, the raw power is definitely there. Uh, He just doesn't move as well laterally as, as you'd like to see yet. But it's it's in it's in there. You can see it inside him and he's going to be he's going to be really special once he once he uh, gets one more year in the strength and conditioning and and a year of experience. Uh, But he's a guy that I think they need to start using a little bit more in especially in run heavy downs just because of what he can do in terms of of compressing and using that power uh ritzy was a guy that i thought played a little better this week than he has the the first couple uh he had some had some things weren't weren't great early but there's actually one play i think it was in the early fourth quarter uh where they uh they had a short yardage play and uh it was a it was a a run to the left and i need to i need to go back and look at that one a little closer but uh basically ritzy they're, they're in a three down situation and ritzy had the the offensive tackle come off and and uh it may have been a zone I think it may have been an inside zone or something like that. But the offensive tackle came off and tried to uh tried to move him and Ritzy footwork still wasn't as clean as I'd like but you could see him get his hands in the right spot and completely shed the the uh the tackle and then got in on the tackle in the backfield and that or right around the line of scrimmage. And that play was one that I thought was really uh important for the overall defense uh and for the outcome of the game so you could see him getting some some blocks shed you could see him doing some things especially late uh and i don't think they i don't think they counted him as in on that tackle for a loss but he was he was he was right there and uh and just the way the front handled that overall uh situation where they where they got georgia uh, georgia state off the field I think was a big thing and and again i think said gray deserves more credit than anybody has been giving him up to now i think he's playing at pretty close to an all acc level i mean 11 solo tackles two tackles for loss in this game and the guy was everywhere so uh that's another guy i can't i can't not mention in terms of that but uh but i thought ritzy took a nice sort of half step forward in this one
0: yeah we're looking at the carolina defense here i, I think you, rucker gray and Eccles or three that we could just sort of punch in a, a, a segment on each game. I thought, to your point, said Greg came up and made some plays, a couple sideline tackles, and Power Eccles uh, looked like just a missile out there running around getting the guys. He makes mistakes um, where he's supposed to be sometimes, but the effort and his ability to make up with it with his speed is, is something to watch. Um, then the leadership thing is just a, another layer, different level layer. Buck, last segment on the defense. we got to talk about the bad. Uh, The defensive back snap counts, which is still interesting to me. 82 across the board, Grimes, Biggers, Duck, and Kelly. Boykins, you mentioned earlier, had 76. Will Hardy had eight. Uh, Buck, is the bye week something this defensive backfield desperately needs to figure this out? I mean, this is – some of the plays back there were just –
2: you wonder how they can continue to happen, um, yet they do. The bye week is something the entire defense needs. But, um, you know, in, in, to your point, you know, it, it was so strange to me. Now, we talk a little bit about, uh, probably a little too often, about how North Carolina's defense, or in particular defensive line, is not performing up to their – level of talent, and the TV announcers yesterday were talking about uh, some, some of the um, problems North Carolina had on the edges on defense of the corners, and, you know, I, and I know that this is kind of a uh, Gene Chizik thing where the uh, corners may play off a little bit off of the, a lot off of, uh, receivers and the, on the philosophy of getting the ball in front of them, keeping everything in front of them, not giving up the big plays. but to hear the announcers talk about North Carolina's, uh, pass coverage on the edges in particular, more so than in the middle, um, how soft it was and how weak it was and how not good it was. I wish they did several times. Um, and to remember that Tony Grimes is a five-star and he made a heck of a play uh, on one deep, one of the deep throws. It was like an, an NFL play, no question. Uh, but he also got flagged for pass interference. And then uh, Storm Duck, who had one of the best, freshman seasons ever at North Carolina at, at corner. And uh, for a long time, we talked about, uh, how we are, we UNC fans were so looking forward to seeing Grimes and duck holding down those corner spots. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And then you got Charlton Warren, who has a reputation as a good, um, coach in the secondary. I just don't know what to say uh, and they're not, and they're not bringing anybody off of the bench to, to spell those guys. Maybe they're just letting them take their lumps. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, you know, the day, day Hollins, I don't know if he's hurt or not, but you know, he's played a lot for North Carolina corner uh, Dante Balfour plays, has played some for North Carolina um, at, DB I mean, at corner and Obie, um, uh, has played some at corner. Um, so, you know, there are people on the bench, um, that, you know, can play the position and why In fairness, I mean,
1: Obi did get ejected yesterday.
2: Yeah, he did. He did. Um, and, but even though there are some options there, um, uh, Grimes and duck were the only corners to get any snaps yesterday which is just hard to figure out unless, you know, perhaps Juan and Chiswick are just saying, listen, um, you know, we have a certain style of, uh, you know, the way we play our coverages and we want grimes and duck to get comfortable in that, uh, scheme. So we're going to give them as many reps as we possibly can. Uh, that's the only thing I can figure. Um, if anybody else has any, better ideas than that, then, you know, please let me know. But uh, it it is odd, no question. Jason, to that point, um,
0: it's amazing what the physicality on the defensive line does for the back end. Uh, We saw that in the fourth quarter. But you mentioned on Twitter during the game, um, it's not that something to the effect of it's not that difficult when the defense provides you the same look every play offenses can figure it out and if I misquote you correct me there but it just seems like yeah there were some plays in there they made a few plays but Georgia State guys were running loose Georgia State guys were running loose and yes the Sun Belt's good and Georgia State's probably um, not bad but they're certainly not a prolific passing team what did you see what kind of breakdowns can we expect on your video stuff from this week from this game um because some of the plays I saw look very familiar uh,
2: for three weeks now. If I could get in here real quick, you know, Jason, you, you don't have to diagram all the horrible plays. Uh, <laughs> you, you can leave some of those, you know, on the cutting room floor as you, uh, yeah,
1: you know, I've, I've, go through I've got, that. I've got more plans. Actually, uh, when I was thinking about this last night. My, my plan this week was actually to be a little more positive. I've, I've got one negative defensive play i want to look at partly because i got it wrong when i when i first watched it uh because i thought they were in cover two you know i kind of assumed they were in cover two because they are in cover two a lot uh and turns out the, the, that that the play is a little bit a little bit more complicated they were actually in quarters which is you know base coverage everybody runs also uh i want to show what basically that's a, that's tip your cap play uh and wanted to show that one but otherwise i wanted i, I was thinking about this last night I think Carolina fans in particular, you know, Tommy, you opened this show talking about three and O Carolina is the only team in the country to three and O and not only that, the, uh, the, so here's the thing. There were, there were, there were three teams that headed into Saturday, headed into yesterday, two and O Nevada, Vandy and North Carolina. And Vandy got blown out by wake forest And then uh, Nevada lost to FCS incarnate word. Right. Okay. So that's one of those things where I've been critical of some things that I think need to be corrected, need to be addressed up to now. But I was thinking about this last night, if nothing else, Carolina fans right now should be looking at this and going three and Oh, baby. This is where Mac Brown's right. Enjoy the wins. The fact that, 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 you've had a couple a couple wins where the team didn't play as well as you'd like where certain things are concerning where certain techniques need to be really cleaned up in the uh, in, in the bye week all those things you know what you're 3 and 0 and it's great to be able to fix things when you're 3 and 0 because then if you do get them fixed you got a chance to really do something this is a team that has has Met expectations in terms of the score, in terms of the uh, in terms of the uh, the scoreboard, and in terms of the record. If anything, they they've exceeded expectations. You remember they were underdogs on the road at App State, and they've got a shot to looking at the division. They've still got a shot to to win this division. So I I do want to highlight some of the things that they did to fight back. And one of the things I was I was really looking for is okay, where are some of the places where where you could see them bow up on the defensive line in the fourth quarter what were some of the differences so that's going to be some of the stuff i'm going to be looking at along with you know like i said i want to i want to highlight one uh one one touchdown that they gave gave up in the passing game where i think it's just to tip your cap and sometimes the other team plays well uh but beyond that i mean i think they did a lot of good things in this game and and georgia state's a good team i mean we haven't talked about this but look at what the sunbelt did yesterday Not just App State. (laughs) What App State did on the road at at Texas A&M, and, you know, that's a pretty good Texas A&M team. If nothing else, that's a very, very highly uh, recruited Texas A&M team with a lot of dudes on defense, and they pushed them around. They pushed Texas A&M around up front, which, you know, I've been critical about how North Carolina's defensive line looked against uh, against App State, and Texas A&M has – more highly they're one of the few teams in the country that has more highly recruited players on the defensive line than north carolina does at this point and they got pushed around up front by by app state too so you know that that brings certain things into mind and uh but you look at they're not the only ones what happened in nebraska yesterday beat by a Belt team what happened to notre dame yesterday beat by a Belt team you know this is why you got to celebrate when you when you win a game. Winning is really hard in college football, and someone like me, I'm going to come in and I'm going to say this is something that I see that needs fixed. If I if I uh, if I think it needs to be emphasized, but I also really want to call attention to that. Like, look, the margins are super thin in college football, and it's really easy to lose games, and it's really easy to lose games to very good group of five teams. I mean, I think you could argue that the Sun Belt East is, you know, on par with say the big 10 West and <laughs> all of you know, the big 12. Is, what's that? All of the big 12 yeah, or the whole big 12. I mean, I think the Sun Belt might be better than the big 12 this year. So, you know, at that point, I, I do think this week, especially going into the buy, I, I do want to highlight some of the positives that we've seen uh, and that we did see against, against the good Georgia state team. I mean, that Georgia state team is going to contend for the, for the, for their, division in the uh in the Sun Belt, although i think you know app state has to probably be the favorite there
0: yeah and i agree with that and that i wish i could pull that out and put it at the back end of the podcast um but yeah i mean just win johnny Therese, johnny t-shirt just wins they support inside carolina and they support this podcast and they support you the premium subscriber of inside carolina uh, you know, if, if you need Carolina gear, you need to go to Johnny T-shirt and get it. Whether it's in person on East Franklin or it's online, it, it, this is still fascinating to me as, as a person who remembers the old days. Um, they bring it straight to your door if you just get on in a few clicks and throw in a credit card number, and they'll send it straight to your door. The customer service is great there. All the jerseys, uh, hats, blankets, crew neck sweatshirts, anything you need from Johnny T-shirt. Visit them. Online, in-store, great alumni-owned and operated. National guys pay the bills on the audio version. It is the day after podcast. Subscribe to Point Forward the podcast so you don't miss a thing. All right, Buck and Jason here with me today after Inside Carolina podcast, and of course Johnny T-shirt. Listen, guys, Buck, I'm gonna come to you on this offense. You mentioned the leader of the offense is a red-shirt freshman, Drake May has taken a pounding the last couple of weeks, but he keeps on ticking. Uh, through his first interception of the year, and he was not pleased with that. Um, I thought. Probably got targeted early in that game. It looked like he took a shot to the noggin um, that had some effect. But uh, the guy just makes plays. And then when you have um, a stable of running backs, you can keep one fresh the entire game to unleash when everybody's tired. Um, Overall thoughts on what you saw from that unit, despite the three turnovers, um, the adversity they faced and still get it done.
2: I will be more than happy to talk about Drake May and the offense, but before we get there, if you don't mind, if you, you're the boss. You if do you don't everyone. mind, uh, for a second, I think we ought to take a minute and appreciate what a huge turnaround there has been in since the last year in special teams. Special teams has been outstanding. And uh, you look at some of the numbers, uh, they're, they're just really good. And, and the block field goal, Ben Kiernan punting the ball for an average of 54 you know, yards per punt. Uh, Burnett has not missed a kick this year, um, you know, the, even on kickoff returns. Uh, yesterday, uh, Hampton had a nice kickoff return and, uh, Cam Kelly, even though downs, he's been returning to since downs has been out, has been doing a great job on, uh, returns. Uh, he had a, uh, 17 yard return yesterday. And on, on that whole thing brings to mind what that all means. all those numbers all mean, uh, Yesterday, Hampton made a big mistake on a kickoff. He stepped out of bounds at the two-yard line on the kickoff, put North Carolina in the hole. They go three and out. Well, on the punt, Kiernan knocks the ball 74 yards downfield, you know, and just an amazing punt. And then they hold Georgia State to a three and out. And on the punt back to uh, UNC, no, it didn't just not go as far. But when North Carolina got their hands on it, Kelly returned at 17 yards. And now North Carolina's got the ball on the 45, where they started the previous drive at the two. The ability to flip field position like that is such an underestimated part of the game and something that we too often ignore. Uh, we see it in the other direction, and we complain about it, but when it, something good is happening for North Carolina there, um, maybe we don't talk about it often enough. And the Jason was just earlier talking about North Carolina winning games, and they should just be happy about that. Well, a bunch of former players, UNC players, having talked to them in the past, will bring up the fact that we've always been taught that if, as long as you win two out of the three phases of a football game, you've got a great chance to win. They've been winning the offensive piece, and they've been winning the special teams piece. And I don't know that they would be 3-0 if their special teams were bad. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to special teams. We never talk about it, never talk about it enough um, before we get to Drake May. And I'll keep my comments about Drake. Um, brief because I'll let uh, Jason uh, chew on that monster a little bit more. But you know, I, I've uh, it all. It hurt my feelings, and during the summer when David Hale uh, tweeted out uh, his tears of uh, ACC quarterbacks, and uh, he put like Drake May at the very bottom of the conference, or they, he they hadn't even decided who the quarterback was going to be, but whoever won the job between Drake and Chris will David Hill had them at like the eighth or ninth tier, like only better than four quarterbacks, possible quarterbacks in the ACC. Well, may is leading the ACC in QBR and it's not really close. And, and what is also so interesting is that some of the quarterbacks uh, that were picked to be, you know, uh, the ESPN crowd was deciding, is this guy the best or this guy the best, have not done so well. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, I don't know. The, the coaching change has not been kind to him so far. He's dead last in the ACC and QBR. He looked terrible yesterday. Uh, Phil Jerkovic, next to last in the conference. Devin of, Leary, that,
1: that guy's throwing from his back.
2: <laughs> right, right. But I mean, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Devin Leary, you know, Keaton Slovis, all these guys they talked about that were, you know, so good. And, 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 uh, you know, we're just going to feature these incredible passing attacks Are way down the list from Drake may, of course we have to take in competition, uh, you know, into consideration, but how do we know what, App state and Georgia state are comparatively to what these other teams have played. I don't think Bethune Cookman was, uh, you know, a bear for Miami for, you know, as an example. Um, so, you know, May is like fourth in the country in QBR. I mean, uh, and that's not counting what, you know, a, a little bit of a step back he had yesterday, but the guys that are really having a year so far through, early this early in the season and uh staples could talk about this when if he when and if he has time jordan travis is having himself a year at qb for florida state
1: um still a little early but he did have a pretty dang good game against lsu
2: um uh, the the uh dj unpronounceable at clemson is having a good year Uh, (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, you're Riley Leonard at Duke, uh, but, you know, uh, it's just, it's hard to, you think about these things and you think you've got it uh, wired in the off season. Oh, this team is going to be super great, you know, offensively because this quarterback is awesome and they're just going to, you know, do wonders and eat cucumbers. <laughs> but when it comes time, you know, uh, uh, you know, to do something on the field, it's not there. So, um, uh, you know, Drake was just a, you know, even though he looked almost human yesterday, he still had a, an awesome game. Um, DJ unpronounceable was the only guy in, in the uh, conference that had a higher QBR than Drake may did yesterday, um, uh, which was by far his, not his best game. So I, I'll let, uh, Jason get into it a little bit more. Cause I've already taken up more than my amount of time here. Uh, But uh, May, he's just the best – he's the best quarterback in the conference, in my opinion, right now.
0: Mid-season form there from Buck Sanders, Jason Staples. I thought Carolina's offense um, looked as bad as it's looked all year. Um, Turned the ball over. We talked about that, and we can talk about that. But the fact that they were able to settle it down, I think May's the big part of that. I mean, there was very little rattle there from may even though he's taken shots and and turned the ball over against app and against georgia state didn't seem to phase him too
1: terribly much yeah and both of those turnovers were you know really influential and sort of in the course of the game i mean both of those were uh you know sort of ill-timed although no no turnovers ever good but um the thing that you love about it about about how he handled that is he came back with no you know no apparent memory there was no there was no scarring from those turnovers, he came back and just took care of business. Uh, and Buck, I agree. I think Drake is, and I, funny thing is, I might have been the only person in the country who thought there was a, a real chance coming into this into this season that Drake may might be the best quarterback in the ACC because uh, the ACC has a lot of strong quarterbacks. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've thought since I got to see him in the spring, I, I've thought he's a potential top five draft pick. Uh, and not top five rounds. I'm talking about top five in the first round. Uh, and he's done nothing to show me otherwise. Uh, I think what he did yesterday, there were times where he looked human, you say. He still was 20 of 25. He threw five incompletions, one of which was, you know, the, the problem is that one of those was complete to the other team, which is the first we've seen that. But, and it was a very poor throw. But, you know, that's, that's human from him. <laughs> and, That was, you know, he he was under more pressure yesterday than he was than he has been all season. I mean, App couldn't get pressure on him, uh, and Georgia State found ways to get pressure. Now that's maybe a little concerning because they're going to be significantly better defensive lines that Carolina is going to face in the ACC and in their next game against Notre Dame, and that's a wounded Notre Dame team, so they're more dangerous now. uh, I think than they might have even been had they come in having won three or four games already. Uh, and I think that Notre Dame team's better than people think they are at this point after, after the loss to Marshall, but you know, he's, he's going to have this, this team in position to win games as long as he's on the field, just because again, he's able to distribute, he's able to get rid of the football so easily. He understands pressure. He understands where pressure's coming from and he's able to get the ball out reliably and accurately uh, with pressure in his face. And you, you could see that over and over again. Yesterday, I, I did think yesterday was really the first time that it looked like they missed downs and and uh, Antoine Green in terms of just having a little bit more uh, downfield oomph. Uh, I, I think it, I think it'll help them. I think it'll help him a little bit more when he gets those guys back. Obviously. Um, but yeah i mean the other thing by the way to think about with the with the quarterbacks that you mentioned it's several of the quarterbacks you look at tyler van dyke looking very different at miami you got to consider that the the match and this is where i want to bring phil longo into play and again you got to give him a lot of credit for what may looks like uh it, look at the coaching changes you mentioned the coaching change with uh the kid from from virginia armstrong uh, with armstrong and uh Tyler Van Dyke is going through a coaching change and you know if you so far historically if you want to look at at uh at quarterbacks one thing that um that you've seen from Mario Cristobal is he's found ways to make quarterbacks on his own team look worse and so far I mean Van Dyke looks like he's in a Cristobal controlled offense as opposed to last year he had a very good offensive coordinator who's historically made his quarterbacks look good so I think that's a factor here too and Longo has found some comfort level he has you can see he's got full comfort level as a play caller with Drake May the the marriage there between the quarterback and the offensive coordinator is a really good one because Longo can call what he wants to call and know this is something that his quarterback's confident in uh, and you can see there's certain things that he likes to do with, with May and with this personnel more than say uh, he did with, with Howell last year and the personnel that they had last year and the, in the couple of years prior. And then there's some stuff that they did more with Howell that, you know, is not, has not been uh, called quite as much with May. So they've found a good mix to maximize what he does really well at this point. And he's done a great job of running exactly what they've wanted him to do and getting the ball out of his hand into, into the playmakers hands. Uh, but you know, the, the other thing that I think we really need to talk about here and Buck, I I think you'll wax poetic here because this is one of your guys. Drake may was, was, they don't win that game yesterday without Drake may. I I don't think, um, but I'm not sure that they win that game without Omari and Hampton either. Uh, that's a guy that really, you know, he, we'll see how the rest of the season goes, but you could kind of feel it a little bit that that guy kind of became that high schooler became a man a little bit yesterday in the second half. And what he did in the second half, once they sort of figured out Georgia state's front and they were able to get some guys blocked, he made some plays, 17 carries, 112 yards. At one point he had what uh, eight carries for six yards or something like that. And then all of a sudden just went off on those last nine carries. And that's the difference in the ball game. So, you know, Buck, I know that's one of your dudes. So, you know, wax poetic, please.
2: Well, uh, I want to mention two things about uh, Drake May first. I'm, I'm going to buck you That's what I'm going to do. Was, <laughs> I, I'm going to answer the question I want to answer, not the one you asked me, but I'll, I'll <laughs> get around to both of them. But um, two things about uh, Drake May. One was we often talk about, or and analysts often talk about, there's typically an inverse relationship between completion percentage and yards per attempt. That's because uh, you know they're in a certain schemes by certain quarterbacks. They're going to complete a, a large percentage of their passes if they're throwing five or six yard passes. I mean, if they're throwing very a lot of very low uh, risk passes, then their completion percentage is going to be higher. Those with uh, yards per attempt that are much greater typically have a lower uh, completion percentage because it's harder to complete those deep passes, uh, longer passes. So we, we, that's a thing in in college football or football in general. But with May, he's completing 75% of his passes and he's doing it at nearly a 10 yards per attempt clip, <laughs> which is just freaking unheard of. You know, if he was com- completely like 62% of his passes and, and getting 10 yards per attempt. That'd be one thing, but three quarters of the time, he's throwing the ball for at least 10 yards. I mean, that that's damn good. And the, the second part I want to talk about is, is my favorite pass from May yesterday was an incompletion the one that he threw to Brian uh, Bryson Nesbitt or attempted to throw to Bryson Nesbitt in the end zone, uh, that where Nesbitt drew the pass interference call because quite literally, the only way you're going to stop that completion moving forward against UNC <laughs> is to commit pass interference. There's just no other way to do it because may is accurate enough. And Nesbitt catches the ball well enough. So if you don't commit a a foul there, they're going to complete that pass. And what's that do, which brings us back to Hampton here, that puts the ball on the, you know, one yard line with, you know, handing the ball to Amore and Hampton, which is money in the bank. I think, I don't know how many of those carries he's gotten so far this year, at least three, I think first and two, first and one, whatever that he's had no issues getting in the end zone uh, from that distance. And that is really going to make a difference for uh, Phil Longo's red zone percentage, as long as he's got a healthy Hampton in the backfield moving forward.
1: Yeah. That guy runs angry. Quick, quick thing, Buck, to reinforce your, your, uh, your Drake may point here about, about completion percentage and all of this. I'm looking right now at his, at his pass chart. So you know, outside left between the numbers outside, right, you know, zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 up. And you look at this and you go, okay, where's his, where's most of his damage. And just to put it in perspective, I was looking at LSU's Jaden Daniels after the LSU Florida state game, Jaden Daniels only in that game attempted one pass over 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage that traveled over 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And it was incomplete. So that, you know, a lot of teams run a lot of their passes that are thrown between zero and 10 yards of the line of scrimmage these days. Drake may the majority of his damage is 10 to 20 yards between the numbers. He's, he's torching teams, but you know, basically between the hashes on those middle throws between 10 and 20 yards downfield. He's 13 to 20 on those, For 258 yards, three touchdowns, and 147.9 NFL passer rating between the numbers, uh, uh, between and and throwing it over 10 and just, just under 20 yards, uh, downfield. But then you look, you go to the next levels 20 plus outside left, 149.3 NFL passer rating. The one interception that he threw between the numbers on the, um, uh, yesterday has, diminished his 20 plus over the middle to 95.8 NFL passer rating and then outside right 135.4 NFL passer rating when you go down the field with him he's he's making he's making making defenses pay uh he's throwing fewer balls behind the line of scrimmage or you know zero to ten than most quarterbacks and certainly than most quarterbacks who have the kind of interception numbers that he does at this point.
0: It's fascinating to watch. Sam Howe didn't throw many balls over the middle for the first couple months of his career, right? He was first uh, year and a half. Yeah, he was outside the uh outside the numbers a lot. May attacks that I was looking at on the uh stats, talking about it a little bit different what you're looking at. Two for three for, and passes 15-plus yards yesterday, two for three for 75 yards. And, and just ridiculous numbers. And Hampton, you know, I, I tweeted it when it happened. If you get to the fourth quarter and Omari on Hampton is rested and you've got a defensive line that's played 50, 60, 70 snaps, um, Carolina's chances are pretty solid in that. Let's, uh let's get where we're going to wrap this one up. It's been the game day after podcast about an hour in. Buck, I'll let you get the uh your last word here on what does Carolina need to work on going into the bye week and heading out of the bye week specifically um or that you would like to see differently. We we know the issues, but they're three and a Max said enjoy the wins, Jason said enjoy the wins. Um, but it does get tougher. Here in two weeks so so what do you directly expect or or would like to expect to see when carolina comes out against notre dame at i said on yesterday at eight o'clock a.m on espn ocho given what notre dame did yesterday
2: yeah i think that you could probably write that uh tv designation down uh (laughs) ahead of that game depending on how well Probably not, depending on how Notre Dame does against Cal. But um, you know, there's a lot you can get done, and you know, we're the in the bye week at this stage of this is an early bye week, and I think there's a lot you can get done uh, with that mu- that amount of time early in the season because you, you have the freshness of having a lot of tape. they're they're not going to be short of things to show uh, players that they've done wrong. particularly on defense. Uh, They could just point them to inside Carolina to watch Jason's uh, film reviews and they'd have enough to look at um, in terms of what the defense has done wrong. So, you know, all that's important. And, you know, I meant to make this point a little earlier. the, you know, we talk about X's and O's a lot and they are important. And we talk about, um, the star rankings, they're, they're important. We talk about, um, play calling that's important. We talk about all those things and fundamentals and technique and all of that, all of that goes into it, but I'm of the opinion that, What's going to make a difference in two weeks against Notre Dame and moving forward from there is, um, to recapture that feeling that the defense had after they got the sermon from power Eccles and, uh, his associate pastor said gray and, uh, Des Evans, uh, running off of that emotion, I think, finding, being able to, to capture that emotion and channel it into improved focus, play, just intensity in general, physicality. I think that's what more of what North Carolina needs than anything else it could possibly get. Um, and if, if they get, capture that moving forward, starting with the Notre Dame game, get out there and play with some intensity. Go out there and play with some feeling. Capture that motion that you felt when uh georgia state had a drive of 10 plays for 98 yards 10 plays they averaged nearly a first down every time they touched the ball um came off their own two-yard line and scored a touchdown on you for the defense capture how that made you feel when you came off that sideline you were ready to rip somebody's head off you were so mad well, remember what that felt like, and go out there and play with that intensity, and and I think the defense will go. It'll go a long way for the defense moving forward. Jason, before you get into it, I see a
0: funny tweet from not Danny Ford on Twitter, um, and it's not relevant to our discussion. But Texas A&M freshman class costs more than App State's entire football budget. <laughs> Uh Jason, Carolina into the bye week. I, I think if I'm looking at this team, um obviously Buck nailed it on the defensive side. I think the right side of the offensive line needs to get it figured out maybe as well. But what direct improvement do you would you like to see
1: um in two weeks when Carolina comes out against Notre Dame? For me, the there they're two big things and, and to me it's actually less about feeling. So Buck gave you the motivational side of things for me it's it's a couple technical things one is i really really want to see the next you know several days because one of the things about uh about open dates is it gives you time to heal and then you usually get a couple of a a couple of days where you can focus a lot a little more on fundamentals and cleaning some stuff up that you that you observed you identified in earlier games i want to see them clean up some some basic footwork and 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 fundamentals on the defensive line to get uh, to get those guys getting a little more penetration so essentially i want to see the the defensive line against notre dame looking a little more like tasmanian devil and a little less like uh uh you know daffy duck uh i want to see them getting getting that footwork getting up under guys pads getting that pad level low and getting into gaps in ways that we haven't quite seen so far this year and I think that more than anything else has the potential to change what this defense is. You know, if the, if the defensive line starts to play to the level that that they could, then I think a lot of things change for for what's happening behind them. And then I'd like to see the the secondary just get a few things cleaned up in terms of communication, in terms of of passing guys off where they need to be, making sure that that the that the the openings in the zones, which when you run a lot of a lot of zone and especially when you're playing off uh, on the corners and, and and things there's gonna be open spots like that's that's the thing you you're gonna give some openings in exchange for typically not giving up, given up stuff over the top but you've got to make those openings as small as possible you want to you want to squeeze those openings and force great throws in order to beat you and right now they're they're just a step or two off in terms of squeezing some of those openings and and getting some things tightened up. So again, it's a matter of tightening up what they need to do, getting the techniques just right, getting their timing right when they're defending, you know, a curl flat concept or a, you know, uh, a uh, corner flat concept, which they got beat on yesterday. Uh, You know, some of these things, you know, tightening up the seams when they're, when you're trying to wall inside verticals, you know, some of these things that they just need to get a little bit better technically on and just clean that up just a little bit. This defense, and I tweeted this out uh, yesterday during the the, uh, third quarter of the the app game. This defense through 2.75 quarter or 2.75 games of the 2022 season looked as bad as any Larry Fedora defense did, which, you know, that's not what was expected. That's not the level that this defense should be playing at. The one thing that I think is different is that I think this t- this defense has the potential still to be a whole lot better than that and to be, you know, to to finish the year strongly. They've got enough players that if they can just get things to gel and get get a few things technically fixed and communicate just a little better that they can be a, actually a good defense in the second half of the year, not just a not a, you know, bad you know not a not just getting to where they're not being a terrible defense but i think they could actually get to where they could be good they've got the players they've got the 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 talent to do that but they've got to get some of those little technique things refined and get some of that stuff fixed and they got to do it all together it's just defensive line get your stuff fixed back seven tighten up you know your technique and and your communication and and squeeze some of those zones and all of a sudden you click your fingers and you and you snap your fingers and and it's a completely different scenario so that's what i'm looking for you know I, i'm i'm curious to see how they'll how they'll handle that over the next couple of weeks cuz i know that defensive staff has some really smart guys on it with a lot of experience who know what they're doing and now i want to see how well they can get some of this fixed cuz i know they've identified everything i have and more and now I want to see what they do to to be able to get some of that stuff resolved.
0: Good stuff from Jason Staples. Great stuff from Buck Sanders. It's been the day after podcast, not one next week. We'll be back in two weeks after Carolina, and Notre Dame, and Keenan Stadium on September twenty fourth. Guys, it's always fun to talk. It's always great to wake up and have breakfast with Staples and Sanders on a Sunday morning. This was when just you're three and zero. Oh. When you're three and nine, three and zero. Oh.